Hey friends, this is Sam and welcome to Next Level You with Sam Kathleen. One of the biggest lessons I've learned since starting my personal growth journey is that the next level of life is different for all of us. My next level is not the same as your next level and that's totally okay. And I also know that like a muscle, our mindset, our psychology, our character and our beliefs are all things that need consistent work. And it is work, but it is also so much fun. So if you're ready for that next level of life, this is the place to get all of the mindset, methods and motivation that you need, whether that's in your health, your relationships, your business or beyond. I am so excited that you're here so we can go and grow on this adventure together. It's time for that next level you. Today's episode is pretty special to me because I just turned 25. Now, the past 25 years have been nothing short of amazing, and there have been a lot of magical experiences and a lot of lessons learned. And so in today's episode, I'm going to share with you 12 of those 25 lessons that I've learned over my 25 years on this earth. There is a lot, a lot here. So I figured I'd split this episode in half and give you the other half in a future episode. Now, I'll definitely go into more depth on each of these lessons again, because they're all so good and they need their own episode. You know, some are pretty straightforward and some need a bit of an explanation. So get ready because there is a lot to unpack here. All right. So in no particular order, here are 25 of the lessons I've learned over the last 25 years. Part one. Lesson number one. Everyone was a beginner once. Everything started as nothing. When I was younger, I would actively avoid doing things that I wasn't already good at or avoid the things that I wasn't a natural at. And unsurprisingly, that stopped me from having all kinds of experiences. It's like all of a sudden I had this feeling that needing to put in effort to learn something was just embarrassing. And of course, I didn't realize what the underlying belief was at that time. I would just come up with excuses like, oh, it's just not for me or I'm just not cut out for it. You know, I found every single reason to quit something or to stop doing something when I noticed that I wasn't an automatic natural at it. And this belief held me back in so many ways, but it was only when I was considering starting my own business that I realized just how silly this belief was because in starting my business, I realized I'm starting from scratch. I'm starting something brand new. Of course, I'm going to have to start at the beginning. And while that thought scared me so much, it also felt very natural. And it was literally like the clouds parted and angels sang. And I realized that one of the major beliefs that I had carried with me throughout childhood, throughout my teens and into early adulthood was completely false. Now, if you've listened to me speak on Instagram or on Time Money Mastery, you know that for the last, oh my gosh, like two to three years, there has been so much that I've tried. You know, even if the potential failure was high, even if the potential to look like an idiot was high, I would still try something if I thought that there was like the tiniest percentage that it could turn into something incredible. If I was curious about an idea or an endeavor, I'd put myself out there and do it. But prior to like the clouds parting and the angel singing, my core belief was if I try something new and I look like an idiot, then everyone will make fun of me and it's not worth it. It's not even worth trying until I shifted that belief and realized everyone was a beginner once and everything started as nothing. 
So now when I find myself comparing, you know, where I am in my personal life or where I'm in my business to anyone else, I notice that I can get inspired instead of getting disheartened because I know that they were also a beginner once and that whatever it is that they're doing that I'm so impressed by, it was once absolutely nothing. And they grew it from nothing into what it is there. And if they can do it, so can I. Lesson number two, if you were gifted the dream, you were also gifted everything you need to bring it into your current reality. So this is where the nerdy science-obsessed psychology student in me meets what some people call the woo-woo. You know, I'm going to get a little technical here, but I'll try to make it as simple as I can. So stick with me. At any moment in time, there are literally millions of things you could be paying attention to. Right now, as you're listening to me speak, you could be focusing on the sound of my voice in your ears, which I'm hoping you are focusing on. You could be focusing on the rise and fall of your chest as you breathe. You could be focusing on the sun on your face or the sound of someone watching a video on the other side of the room. You could be focusing on how your hair feels on your ear or focus on your heart beating. You know, you you get the picture. So many things you could be focusing on. Now, More than ever, there are millions of things that can capture your attention, you know, with social media making the world accessible to us with a few taps on a screen. Now, in order for us to not get overstimulated to the point of not functioning, our brain actually filters through this information so that we can focus on what's most important to us. And the part of our brain that does this is the RAS or the reticular activating system. It's not important to know what it's called or what it stands for right now, but just know that there's a part of your brain that filters through the millions of possible things you could be focusing on so that you could focus in and hone in on the things that are most important to you. Now, knowing that there are literally millions of different things out there that could have your focus, knowing that there are millions of ideas or dreams or interests or passions or hobbies that could stir your heart, I believe that the ones that do, the ones that hit you, the ones that you feel in your heart and your soul, the ones that you're curious about, the ones that you actually pay attention to, I believe that that's the case because they are meant for you. I mean, have you ever wondered, you know, why this? Why was this particular dream given to me? Why is this the thing that lights me up, that brings me joy, that makes me feel connected to something bigger than myself? I think it's simple. I think that you feel this way because it was meant for you. It was designed for you. And it's my hallucination that we're gifted these dreams to make the world a better place in big and less obviously big ways. And the second part of this lesson is, That if this dream was designed for us, if it was meant for us, why would God or whatever higher power you believe in reserve it for us only to watch us scramble, you know, only to watch us struggle unnecessarily? And so believing this, that my dreams are not only meant for me, but that I was also gifted with the resources to make it come true or the resourcefulness to get those resources to make the dream come true. Believing this has completely transformed how I see the world and how I see my potential and how I see the potential of others. You know, I'm not going to let my dreams gather dust on a shelf because I'm too scared to claim it. It would be like keeping a car in the garage saying that I can't drive it, even though I know how to drive and I've got the keys in my hand. You know, I've literally got everything I need to make it happen, but it's up to me to get moving. Lesson number three, the pain of what if always cuts deeper than the pain of failure. 
This lesson is one of the driving forces behind why I love working with young people, especially during their time in high school. Now, I mentioned earlier that I had this fear of looking stupid or being a beginner, and that stopped me from taking up and creating a lot of opportunities. And I felt this most strongly as I was graduating high school. So as I came to the end of those six years, I looked back and I wondered, you know, what if? What if I actually tried learning new sports? What if I actually made the most of the fact that I was in a school with teachers who could endorse me and to try to help me get new opportunities? What if I searched for an internship or did an exchange abroad or actually stuck with my piano lessons? What if I didn't let the fear of looking stupid or fear of sticking out actually stop me from making the most of all of the opportunities in high school. Now, my little sister, my little brother felt the brunt of this, for lack of a better term, regret. You know, I encouraged them and continue to encourage them to pursue everything and not a, you know, take on too much kind of way. More like if you're curious, then that's enough reason to give it a shot kind of way. Now, they are their own person, and so while coaching them, like I wish I was coached, brings me so much joy, it still didn't take away that ache of regret. And honestly, I'm so grateful for that ache. While I've slowly let it go, I never let myself forget how that felt, you know, to be handed my diploma and feeling like I left so much on the table, that there was still so much left that I didn't get to do or be or share because remembering that feeling is what drives me to make the most of every single day, you know, to take opportunities or to create my own and to not be afraid to feel the pain of failure because I've felt the, the pain of regret and it's so much worse. Lesson number four, it's the job of the communicator to make sure that your message gets across. Now, this particular lesson continues to play a massive role in my relationships and in my business. You know, have you ever found yourself saying they just don't understand me or it's not my fault they can't get it through their head? Now, I know that some people will come at me for saying that they have examples, you know, where this is actually the case. However, I found that the most empowering belief that I can have about communication is that if I'm the one sharing a message or communicating something, it's my job as the communicator to make sure that message gets across. You know, this belief has removed a lot of frustration over things that I can't control and refocused my attention into what I can control. You know, I can control how I share my message. I can change my wording or my approach or even the time I choose to share my message. If someone doesn't understand me, I've learned to take it as a challenge for myself, you know, to pivot my approach so that the message comes across. Because, I mean, what's the alternative? You know, I throw my hands up in the air or shake them by the shoulders and scream, why don't you understand me? You know, that's not going to benefit anyone. And so this mindset shift or this lesson has been phenomenal at helping me shift my focus and to make sure that I'm actually doing all I can to be understood. Lesson number five, love others the way they receive love. Now, this is another great lesson that was learned from excruciating trial and error. Now, this was way before I'd really learned about the five love languages too. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go and search up the five love languages quiz online. It's based off this book by Gary Chapman, I think it is. And the quiz can tell you what your love language is and how you are likely to feel loved. But just as importantly, you can find out how your partner or your family member or even your friend feels love. Now, I won't go into too much detail here because Gary Chapman can definitely explain it so much better than I can. But my takeaway from that is this. 
if you speak to someone in your language and not theirs, would you get upset if they didn't understand you? Like if I started to speak to you in Japanese, but you only spoke French, I could either point fingers and say that you should be able to understand me. It's all your fault. Why don't you know my language? Or I could learn to communicate with you in a way that you understand. You know, I could take the responsibility to make sure the message gets across. It's like I said in the last lesson, it's the responsibility of the communicator to ensure the message is received and understood. And in the case of making sure that your loved ones feel your love and receive your love, if you know that your approach isn't making them feel that love, why wouldn't you want to change your approach? You know, the way that I see it, I want the people that I love to know that they are loved and feel that they are loved. And if the way that I'm showing love, you know, if I'm saying I love you and they don't feel it that way, that they feel it more when I spend quality time with them, for example, then why would I be so stubborn in my beliefs that I won't actually go out there and do what I can to make them feel loved, you know? That'll make a lot more sense if you actually know what the five love languages are. So make sure you go ahead and Google that. Okay, lesson number six. Love is what makes life worth living. Now, when I think about all of the hard work and the hustle and the late nights and the dollars saved, I know that I'm doing it all for a purpose, you know, to experience life at the highest level and to share those experiences with the people I love. You know, I want to be able to travel the world and make an impact and spoil my family and invest in other people's dreams. And even now, there are times when I get caught up in the hustle. And while I know that working on weekends or getting up before the sun can be an expected part of building what I'm building right now, I also choose to allow myself to not feel guilty for taking whole days off, you know, to not think about my business so I can be fully present with my family. Or, you know, sometimes I switch my notifications off just before dinner so I can come back to it in the morning. Because I've realized if I'm working so hard to set myself up now so that I can experience life at the highest level later on why am I letting so many opportunities to live life at the highest level slip me by in my present moment you know the paradox between enjoying your present and building your future is one that fascinates me so much and I don't think that balance in that regard actually exists I think that being able to get the best of both worlds is taking it one day or one decision at a time and being able to be self-aware enough to ask yourself an honest question, you know, what is most important to me right now? And then making sure you take action aligned with that answer. Lesson number seven, I am inherently worthy of love, happiness, joy, connection, success, and fulfillment. This is a simple one, and yet I still need to remind myself of it at times. I am inherently worthy of love, of happiness, joy, connection, success, and fulfillment exactly as I am, because I'm human, because I'm alive, because I am here. You know, I don't have to earn a certain amount of money and then I'll be worthy of success. I don't have to look a certain way and then I'll be worthy of love. I don't have to dress a certain way or have a certain number of Instagram followers have achieved something in order to be worthy. I am already worthy because I am. Now, this isn't to say that we shouldn't go out and do things to help increase the love and happiness and joy, connection, success and fulfillment in our lives. It's not about being a horrible human being, having no regard for other people, you know, sitting on the couch, not taking actions towards our goals and then being angry at the world when things don't happen for us. You know, at its core, this lesson reminds me that I can be a masterpiece and a work in progress all at the same time. 
know, one of my favorite things to say, one of my favorite things to teach my clients is the art of being content, but never satisfied. It's about being grateful and happy with what you have and how far you've come and who you are right now, while also knowing at the same time there is room to grow and that there's space for more. Because when you show up every day knowing and believing that you're worthy of the beautiful things in life, not only will you experience more of these wonderful things, you're also likely to be a light to others and remind them that they are worthy too. Lesson number eight. Being wrong doesn't make me any less worthy of love. Now, this is a big one for me. You know, when I was younger, I was terrified of being wrong. I would much rather keep my mouth shut and wait for someone else to say something first before I shared my opinions because I was so scared of looking stupid. And one day, I don't remember when, I don't remember how, but I remember sitting there feeling cold all over my body because I had just said something that was clearly wrong And I just felt so ashamed. But then I forced myself to look internally to see what I was making this experience mean. And then it hit me. For some reason, I had been equating being wrong to being unlovable. That being wrong meant that I was less worthy. Which I realize now is so unbelievably silly because no one can be absolutely right about everything. No one can know absolutely everything about everything. And if you surround yourself people who agreed with you about everything you'll never learn you'll never expand your perspectives and honestly how boring would all of your conversations be you know it took me at least 24 years to learn that I can be wrong and I can be loved all at the same time lesson number nine the universe is on my side the way I see it there is too much magic around me to not believe in a power greater than us Some people call their power God. Some people call it the universe. Some talk about angels or some variation of all of these. Now, I grew up in an intensely Catholic family. I've connected with spiritual entrepreneurs who speak to angels and use oracle cards. I've met so many different people with all different kinds of beliefs. And so I've come to learn that spirituality is incredibly personal. Our beliefs are our beliefs because we choose them every single day. And in my exploration of my own spirituality, I've developed this belief that the universe is on my side. Now, when I say the universe, I use that term to incorporate every and all powers that are greater than myself. You know, God, the angels, the saints, my ancestors, the giants who came before me, the energy around us, you know, the things and feelings we can't know everything about. I believe that all of this grand magic is conspiring together to help me realize my fullest potential. Think of it this way. You could have been born in any moment in history. You could have been born anywhere in this world, to any family, to any community, but you were born into this life, in this moment in time. Now, I believe that this isn't random and that this isn't luck. I believe that this is fully intentional and on purpose. I believe that everything happens for a reason and that the universe conspires to ensure that I'm in the right place at the right time so I can be at the next right place at the right time, which will then bring me to the next right place at the right time. You know, the way that I think about it and how this works in my own life, I realized if I didn't do society and culture, which is a subject in high school, I might not have become interested in psychology. And if I didn't choose to stick with my psychology degree all the way to the end, if I had stopped halfway like I was dreaming of doing, I might not have decided to take a gap year. 
if I didn't decide to take a gap year, I might never have thought about doing my master's in publishing. And without that master's in publishing, I wouldn't have been exposed to all those behind the scenes of how a great idea goes from conception to a published book on a shelf. And without that, I wouldn't have felt the dream of being a published author as an actual possibility in my life. And without feeling that, that this childhood dream that I'd pushed aside, without feeling that that could be possible, I might never have questioned what other dreams I let go of too soon. And while I believe in the power of decision, I also believe that the forces greater than I am are moving things out of the way, opening and closing doors, bringing things to my attention so that I can fulfill my purpose and unleash my fullest potential. I mean, life's also just so much more fun that way, knowing that there are powers beyond you, beyond anything you can comprehend that have got you and that are rooting for you and doing everything they can to support you on your journey. Lesson number 10, setting loving boundaries are completely necessary. Now, in terms of growth opportunities, this is definitely still a big one for me. If someone once said something to me that was like a loving but a very painful slap in the face, they said, don't allow people to treat you a certain way and then get mad at them when they do. Like I actually like, even to this day, mind blown. You know, I used to get so upset. I still do sometimes when people wouldn't value my time. You know, they'd cancel meetings at the last minute and expect me to reschedule constantly. You know, they would turn up late to meetings or calls and then expect me to stay on longer and move my schedule around because they came late. You know, people would message me at like 8 p.m. and expect a response straight away as if I didn't have a family and a life outside of work. But when I heard this, you know, don't allow people to treat you a certain way. They get mad at them when they do. When I heard that, I realized when people would cancel meetings last minute, I'd say, yeah, that's fine. And I'd move heaven and earth to reschedule, even if I was annoyed. I would extend meeting times to make up for lost lost time caused by their lateness, even if it created chaos in my own life. And I would actually respond after 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., even if it wasn't urgent, rather than leaving it to the morning. It wasn't that people weren't respecting my boundaries. It was that I wasn't enforcing them or living by them. I was teaching them how to treat my time by how I I treated my time. But what really drove this lesson home for me was witnessing what kind of example I was setting and what kind of culture I was helping to perpetuate. My little sister, who at the time of recording this is 18, used to move heaven and earth to accommodate everyone else at the expense of her own time and sanity. You know, she would respond back to messages in the middle of dinner. She'd stop studying to go help someone else study. And while she was taking all these actions because she legitimately cared, she was also doing so at the expense of herself. And I could argue that it's different, but at its core, this was the culture that I was supporting. This was the example that I was setting for her. And it was so confronting. Now, let me ask you something. There's a story that is usually told to drive a point like this home. You might have already heard it, but seriously think about it, even if you have. In the case of emergency on a plane, the oxygen masks fall from the ceiling. Now, I want you to imagine that there is a child sitting next to you. Whose mask do you put on first, yours or the child's? Now, this is not a trick question. The answer to this is you. You put on your mask first. Because if you run out of oxygen, how can you help anyone else? 
loving boundaries isn't about not caring about anyone else. It's about putting on that oxygen mask first, but it's also teaching others that it's okay for them to do the same. Because when we perpetuate a culture of moving heaven and earth for everyone else at the expense of ourselves. We create a culture of people who are burnt out, who are caring and loving, but don't actually have anything left to give. And so I realized that setting loving boundaries wasn't just teaching other people how to respect my time and my boundaries and my life, but it was also teaching them that setting loving boundaries was okay, but also completely necessary too. Lesson number 11, raise your standards. Demand more from yourself than anyone else could ever expect. Now, here is the truth of it. You get what you tolerate. When I tolerate my excuses about snoozing my alarm, I'm not going to get out of bed. When I tolerate my justifications about why one episode is more important than working on my business, you best believe I'll be watching another three. Now, this lesson isn't about beating yourself up or not allowing yourself to enjoy life, but it's about demanding more from yourself than anyone could ever expect of you. It's about knowing what kind of life you want to live, what kind of person you want to be, and raising your standards so that you show up as that version of you who is able and capable of living and sustaining the life of your dreams. I've learned that a higher quality life demands higher quality commitment, higher quality dedication, and without a doubt, higher standards. Lesson number 12, you learn best from experience, but you can fast track yourself and minimize your mistakes by learning from someone else's experience. Now, this is a great lesson because it's a surefire way to minimize all the risk that you can when you want to try something new. You know, you don't know if something actually works unless you go out and try it, unless you can find someone who has tried it and you can learn from their experience. Here's an example. If I wanted to build a bookshelf, I could go out, get a few planks of wood, some nails and a hammer and just start hammering away. You know, I could go through the process of screwing up and learning and screwing up and learning Or I could find someone who has built a bookshelf before, see how they did it and learn from their experience. No matter what it is you want to do, I guarantee there is at least one person who has been able to do it before or something similar enough that you can still learn a lot. There are so many people who have built up a wealth of experience in thousands of different things. If there is someone you can learn from, I highly, highly, highly recommend you do it. You know, a big contributor to any success I've had is the fact that I've had mentors to guide me, whether it's a mentor I know in real life or someone who mentors me through the books that I read or the podcasts I listen to or the courses I complete. So Tony Robbins, another one of my mentors, often talks about condensing decades into days, you know, how he takes decades of lived experience and compresses them into a course or a workshop or an event where you can learn what took him decades to figure out in a matter of days. Now, I'm sure that if you did some research, you could find the equivalent of whatever you're dreaming of doing or creating. And my lesson here was that I could save myself so much time and avoid so much risk by going out there and learning from someone else's experience, you know, both their successes and their mistakes. 
Alrighty, that is part one of the 25 Lessons for 25 Year series. I'll share lessons 13 to 25 in our next episode. But what I want you to do now is head on over to Instagram. I'm at nextlevel.u and let me know which of these lessons resonated with you the most. I'll make sure to drop all the links in the show notes below as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now get ready. It's time for that Next Level You. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of another episode of Next Level You with Sam Kathleen. I know that time and energy is so precious and I'm so honored that you chose to invest some of yours with me today. To keep up to date with all things Next Level You, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head on over to samkathleen.com forward slash next level you for any and all of the resources, links, and the show notes for this episode. You can also find the link to join our exclusive Facebook community if you are looking to surround yourself with fellow big dreamers growing towards that next level. Get ready. It's time for that next level you.